This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's the World Economic Forum's Global Village Initiative, and what does it have to do with trust, brainwashing, and the metaverse? We're going to find out. You're listening to the Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. You know, it's not that the new MLK statue looks like quite an impressive penis. It's that from one side, it kind of looks like the headless horseman caressing his penis, while from the other, it looks like he's trying not to get smothered by it. Either way, I want miniaturized versions of them so that I can send them all to my friends so they can use them as paperweights. I think that's a fantastic gift idea. What I'm going to do today is go through Davos panel discussions, at least a couple of them I'm hoping to get through, and I'm going to do them in kind of individual little mini shows. And what I'm going to do is, for Patreons, I'm going to include, with the audio RSS feed, I'm going to also include the video version of the show, either uploaded directly to Patreon, or I'm going to have a private link that I'm going to link on Patreon. And I will do extra content either later today or later this week that will either be experimental or more news-focused since this is going to be kind of a Davos-heavy week, depending on how interesting these panel discussions are. I've been watching a lot of them, and I'm continuing to watch them, and I want to record this while it's fresh. That's why I'm going to be doing it that way today and probably tomorrow at least. We'll see how it goes from there. Okay, so I'm going to start with the first one that was like 8 a.m. this morning, had Klaus Schwab in it. Those are always the best, in my opinion. And what I learned in this introductory panel discussion, or announcement really is what it was, is that Klaus Schwab is getting into the metaverse with a new World Economic Forum initiative called the Global Collaboration Village. What is it? I'll let Klaus himself tell you. The Global Collaboration Village is a pioneering effort to use the metaverse for the public good, to create global cooperation and to strengthen global cooperation in the metaverse or using metaverse technologies. Okay, what you see on screen there after the video is Stella's fantastic Klaus Schwab artwork, where he is telling other World Economic Forums that they just have to be patient. They will get to hack up the babies later during the forum. Check that out. What does he mean by that? Well, he does elaborate a little bit. And basically, they can connect not just with our World Economic Forum people, not these global elites. They can connect with a broader community and stakeholders through the metaverse, which we come to learn is basically a way they're going to attempt to brainwash people who they can coax into putting the headset on and joining them in their little weird... I mean, can you imagine these guys in their, their avatars with no legs and creepily moving around? In fact, Klaus got his first taste of some headset action, which at one point he says it was a dream come true. And here he describes a little bit of his first time putting on that headset. Let me um, just say um, we are, it's a journey. 
Um, we, we, we may have seen uh, the first applications. Uh, I have to say for me, um, uh, it was uh, first experience to use an avatar, um, but uh, I got so fast um, accustomed to it. So I'm fascinated by the capabilities which we have. And I know it will take some time, but for me, this is the next phase, the next big phase of development in the virtual world. And we are very proud that together with our partners, we can work on making the first, on creating the first use of this technology for the public good. Yes, Klaus Schwab himself, the first to try and drink adrenochrome from a baby in the metaverse. Someone needs to tell him that it's not going to taste quite as, as delicious in the virtual world. And somebody needs to also inform this group that it's going to be difficult for them to have a circle jerk when they have no legs. Now, what exactly are they talking about when it comes to this use of these uses of the metaverse for the purpose of Davos? Well, they talked a little bit about this in May, and I covered a lot of it. I'm not going to go over it. They go through four or five, I think it's four different use cases, which are onboarding like a business. You're training people, uh, teaching people firefighting. I know that there's Air Force pilots that are using it in simulation. Marketing is another one. Teaching is another one. I think that basically covered teaching also. I'm going to skip ahead to the most important use for the metaverse for their purposes. Also, this, also Stella artwork here you see on screen. And so the fourth use is really about how do you do the met metaverse to solve big problems. And I This is the CEO of Accenture. They're always at this thing. And the other guy is the CEO of Microsoft right now, I believe. I hope each of you are able to go to uh, this year's instantiation, which is all about the um, uh, oceans. Now, one thing to remember is that the metaverse is rooted and is successful because it serves two purposes. It serves human need and it creates something that doesn't exist today. The interaction of the digital and virtual world where we can experience it together. And how it's rooted in, in, in human need is you just go back to when you were a child and you were drugged to the museum by your school. Why were you taken to the museum? To interact with art in person because the teachers knew that would be a much more engaging way. I went to Washington, D.C. as an eighth grader because standing in front of the Washington Monument was a different way of engaging. The metaverse allows you to immerse, to have greater learning, and to have an experience that can't be done because everybody can't be brought to places like the bottom of the, of the ocean. And even if you can visit, you can't be there in a sustained way. So it's super exciting. So greater learning and an experience. We talked about this in the past when it comes to using VR to subvert people's critical thinking abilities and kind of create the history they want to impose upon people without people questioning it at all. And that's kind of what they're getting at here. It's subverting other information by giving people a real experience that their subconscious thinks actually happened. An emotional experience. 
what we're doing together with the World Economic Forum and so many of our partners to be able to use this technology to solve actual problems in a way that doesn't exist today. Okay, some more Stella artwork on screen there. Fantastic. You ought to check that out if you get a chance. So solving problems in ways that do not exist today. That's that's what they're going for here. And what exactly does this mean? What kind of example can we get here? Well, Klaus answers that question for us in an article that he wrote or published today, actually, in Forbes, and it's on the World Economic Forum's website as well. I'm going to share that with you. Okay, you see it on screen there. You see these uh, these avatars, no legs, in the bottom of the ocean. Uh, th- they are in the bottom of the ocean in this image here, and they have clothes on. Th- that's not a real experience. You don't, you don't go into the bottom of the ocean wearing your glasses and wearing a suit and a button-up shirt. This is not, they should at least, their avatars should have scuba gear on. What a stupid image to use. Listen to this article. Klaus tells you exactly what they want to use the metaverse for. Many heralded the advent of the internet and the spread of information communication tech as enablers of a global village that would unite people across borders. They talk about this being a space without borders also in that video. Support the exchange of ideas and revolutionize progress. Until now, that promise is yet to be fulfilled. And then it goes on to say, Klaus goes on to say, while the internet and later video conferencing has brought us together in virtual spaces, human connection has been missing. Instead of generating trust, the foundation for any partnership, the internet has had a deleterious effect on increasing polarization. In recent years, this division has accelerated as misinformation too often has run unchecked. So you see where this is going. They want to use the metaverse to build trust. We've talked about this a lot. They know that the public, the world public, doesn't trust them anymore. And they're trying different ways to try and get us to trust them again. And one of those ways is to create a global space that they operate in the metaverse. Davos in the metaverse. I mean, nothing says trust like Davos in the metaverse, right? And he introduces it. We are now at the beginning of the transformative te- technological development that could address this divide, that trust divide, and that is metaverse technologies. He says that metaverse tech will allow us to be immersed in virtual three-dimensional worlds that offer people the opportunity to see, understand, and imagine our world in a new way, with a way where you're not thinking is the idea. This may sound like science fiction to some, but certainly not to the more than 3 billion people globally who play video games regularly. You know they got their eyes on the video games. What if Klaus is like a big gamer? What do you think he plays? Definitely Sims. He definitely is building the creepiest Sims world. Maybe Civilization also, which is the most boring game I've ever seen. This new form of technology-enabled human interaction is on track to become ubiquitous. Metaverse tech is, is set to become ubiquitous, he says. In our personal and professional lives, billions of dollars are being invested. It's projected to be an $800 million market by 2024. Business execs, government officials, and civil society leaders must come together to define and build an, economical, an economically viable, interoperable, so that's data exchanging across all so no, no borders on the data crossing. That's what they really want right there. They want all your data everywhere. They want to be safe, equitable, and inclusive in the metaverse also. So they not only want to shape the physical world, they want to shape the metaverse world. They want to be the overlords of the metaverse also. And then he introduces the concept of the new global village that they want to, that they're launching. They say the capabilities of the metaverse create the conditions to make extraordinary progress in global interaction and collaboration. 
without borders. That's why we established the Global Collaboration Village, the first global purpose-driven metaverse platform. I don't know, Mark Zuckerberg might, might argue with that. Created to enhance more sustained public-private cooperation. So that's created to get people to comply and fall in line. And spur action to drive impact at scale. This is mass brainwashing. The Global Village will not replace the need to meet face-to-face, but will instead supplement and extend our ability to connect regardless of where we are physically located around the world. The immersive nature of the Global Collaboration Village has the potential to create a powerful and efficient means to drive global progress. It will be a creative place to imagine alternative futures, to explore ideas and systems transparently and safely. (laughs) And a vision with the future of engaging multi-stakeholder collaboration. And multi-stakeholder is socialism, communism. Getting to that. It's the anti-shareholder. It's the ESG stuff. These are the people that want to implement ESG standards in corporations around the world, which is a social credit score that trickles down through the corporation onto the society around it, the stakeholders. And that movement has kind of been laughed off, but they're still trying to do it. So bad, in fact, I heard them talking about it in, one of, in a panel discussion today where they're calling it something different. I haven't listened to the, to, rest, to the rest of that one yet, but it's hilarious because they're like, what do we do about ESG? Everybody hates it. We have to start calling it something different. So they're just going to change the name of it and try and re-implement it. Anyway, Back to the article at hand. And then he goes on to give the example of this multi-stakeholder engagement. For example, people will be able to dive in to an interactive ocean experience that reveals the importance of safeguarding our ocean and challenges us to picture the positive impact we can have through collective action. Instead of telling us how important mangroves are for coastal ecosystems, it invites us to witness and experience the power of restoration and conservation for ourselves, all while engaging with global experts and innovators who are on the physical front lines of the world. So they want us to care about climate change, like really badly. So they created this global metaverse initiative to give people a firsthand experience with the effects of climate change that tricks their brains, or at least attempts to, their brains and their bodies, into thinking that it was a real experience they had so that we trust the truth of, our, of that experience that we felt like we really, really had over any information that we might come across online that counters that climate narrative. Info that they would call misinformation. Because when we would experience that information 2D instead of 3D in the virtual world, it would be intellectual, which is just not near as powerful as that real feeling experience we had. Yet the whole experience they gave people could be entirely made up. Just make the whole thing up. That's what they want to use the metaverse for, to subvert our intellectual brain with real experiences that are actually just fake experiences so that we don't question their narrative. Klaus wants to win your trust with fake experiences that tricks your body. That's just trust-building exercise, which I personally think is a great idea because if there's something that wins my trust, it's putting on a headset and going virtual swimming with an avatar of Klaus Schwab. The, The coral reefs would commit suicide these people are insane. This is the, 
Who who's gonna fall for this? Who's gonna volunteer? Like kids, they're gonna go after children. Is who they're gonna go after? But they'll just start trying to drink their adrenochrome in the ocean. I gotta tell you, I mean, it's a big idea for sure. It's a stupid idea, but it's a big one, and they're putting billions into it too. Man, I, I gotta start coming up with some really stupid ideas. Pitch them to the World Economic Forum. They want to do this around the globe too. That's another benefit of the metaverse. You know, they can't bring everybody to the World Economic Forum. And they're not going to be anywhere near us anyway, but we're allowed to come to the virtual one. You know, that's, that's the one we're welcome to. And the problem that they run into with that is, what about people who can't afford a VR headset? Well, they're already on top of that, as you'll hear them discuss right here. I, I think first we have to look at this as something that needs to move together in concert with other initiatives to bring more technology to more people. You know, it's why we, we announced as a company in December an initiative that we believe will bring broadband to 100 million additional people in Africa alone in the next two years alone. So we need to bring more connectivity to more people. And yeah, I think we should be optimistic that if, that if we act with determination, we'll do that. If you bring connectivity, then you open up the opportunity for people to work with more hardware devices. Once you are on a 2D screen, you can reach screens of varying sizes. And I think that's important. You know, we're not yet at the point where everyone in the world has a smartphone, but we're moving rapidly towards that. I think in addition, we'll just see a world where there's rapid innovation in the hardware space. We're already seeing that. More companies producing more hardware devices. As they do that, two things will happen. The first is that the technology will improve. Julie was talking before we began just about how, you know, the next generation of the 3D technology is a huge step forward. But the other thing one always sees in these markets is that prices fall. So I think that's the ultimate goal, to bring better technology at lower prices with more ubiquitous connectivity around the world. But Brad, I think, as you said at the beginning, you can access this technology if you've got a smartphone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the nice thing about it. It's, it's the key to why something needs to be hardware agnostic. You know, open it up so then people can access it on a variety of different devices. So it's great. Klaus goes on to talk about how people who have it on a 2D device, it won't be as good as those who have it on 3D. Yet they're talking about inclusivity. So we already have inequality here in the way people are engaging in it. They've already created inequality. All right, enough of those creeps. I'm going to try and get another one of these up in a couple of hours. We'll talk to you guys later on. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a fantastic rest of your day.